Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. We find these guys at a place where they're really experiencing God. They confess he's God. They identify he's God. And then he decides to die. And things change. Where we will pick up on our story today, which we did last week as well, talking about the idea that these men who gave their entire life to serve this man named Jesus, who they believed was the Messiah, the God who was there at the beginning of creation, was now dead. What, what's next? What do I do now? Where do I go from here? What are the next chapters now that Jesus is gone? And, uh, and so we'll talk a little bit about that. And last week we talked about the first of, of three keys. I don't like using things like that. It feels a little self-helpy, but the reason I'm using it is because back in Matthew 16, Jesus said to Peter, Peter, I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. So we take that thought, the idea of keys, and we see six different keys that happened uh, from the time when Jesus rose from the dead to the time that Jesus ascended uh, up to the right hand of the Father. There were six different things, I believe, that happened in the story that can help us identify how we can experience a supernatural realm in our natural world right now, knowing that Jesus is not here in bodily form. He is not present on the planet. How can you and I experience this supernatural world? If you have the YouVersion app, all of our notes are available to you there. You can go on there and save those to your profile. Just go down to more, click on events, search for Love City Church, and all those are there. Last week, we talked about these first three keys. It seems a little dry when I read it out loud, uh, but the reality is, is that these are the things we covered. Communion. Uh, Jesus uh, broke bread with these guys and they didn't recognize who he was. But the moment they broke bread, it said that they had a realization, they had an epiphany that they're standing in front of God. And so communion is a gift to us from the Lord to be able to have a supernatural moment with Jesus as we remember. The second one was repentance. These guys had no faith. They lacked faith. They didn't believe that Jesus was who he said he was. These guys walked with Jesus and they themselves did not believe that Jesus rose from the dead on the third day. And so they actually had to repent in their heart from their unbelief in Christ. And we see that all throughout the scripture. And last week we talked about water baptism. The place was full. We had water baptisms last week. The, the tub was leaking the entire time. While I'm preaching, I've got people with duct tape taping tarps and siphoning water the whole time. I heard this. That wasn't my mic. That was Joel siphoning water going like this the whole time. It was awesome. So uh, if you were here, it was super funny. But if you were visiting last week, you're like, man, this church is weird. They got like this ghetto tub with duct tape. Anyways, let's continue. So um, have you guys ever gone into a a store or H&M or uh, the Bay or a place where they have name tags or they wear a lanyard? And this lanyard generally would say something like staff or or it would say the name of the company and, and you know, they're, uh, the manager or things like that. And have you ever found that whenever you go into these places and, and talk to these people, there are times when these young 16-year-old wonderful people feel like because they're wearing a lanyard, they have this full power over you. 
I mean, have you ever stepped behind the checkout counter at an H&M or a store just for one second? Just go around it and watch some 16-year-old girl go, stop it, I am a lanyard. You're not allowed to go around the back of the management table. Or you go, have you ever tried to even go in a staff room? Can you imagine what would happen to you? These 16-year-olds would come in on you and attack you. But have you ever been in those moments and those environments where, where, where this happened? I was uh, in Banff Springs uh, at the Hot Springs with my friend who was here a couple weeks ago. And they have uh, four kids, and so there was 10 of us, so two, four adults and six kids standing in line. If you, how many of you have been to the, the springs up there? The line, what they do is they make you go through the queue. Every time I think about that movie Shrek, when <laughs> that guy was scared of Shrek and he ran through all of them. Have you ever seen that? No? Okay. Okay, yeah, it was really funny. I laughed really hard at that. He's, <laughs> this guy wearing this costume runs through the thing because he's so scared of Shrek. It's really funny. Anyways, go watch it. Uh, so we're standing in this queue, and um, the, the way it works is they won't let you through to go into the springs until you go through their little queue, like, which I think is ridiculous because a tour bus was in front of us or a bus and uh, they had to have been from visiting from probably an Asian country because they were all in line waiting and they were in front of us and uh, from what I could tell, a good majority of them didn't speak English very well and so there was some con- uh, complication when they were checking in and so all of these people were in line and we came down and thought oh my gosh there's so many people in line and so we waited and we couldn't get in unless we waited and so we waited and finally the one guy who was in the very front said he said can these people all go through the queue and so they all went through the queue and it was just you know they kind of worked their way through the queue and they got down into the springs and there was one man dealing with them and so here I am waiting in line and right where that speaker is is where the front desk is where they're checking the people in and paying for uh, the individuals to get into the hot springs and I'm standing here with my friend and, and, and we have six kids uh, here and there's a post and it says don't cross this line and there's a little area here where employees would come in and out here and there was nobody coming in and out but it was just an area and there's one of those bands like this this like kryptonite like barrier you know you're not allowed to go through it it's just like this thing and and so we're standing there and I'm talking with my friend and the kids are six kids and they're rambunctious and they're just kind of but we're, we're by the post this girl comes up and she says sirs do you see the sign it says, stay behind the line. And I thought, man, this girl, I want to punch you. With I'm just kidding. I never said that. I didn't say that. I would never punch a 16-year-old girl. And she, she reached down and she kind of fixed her little name tag. And she says, I'm a manager here. But she had such authority. When I used to be uh, at a part of a large church and the youth pastor put on a big, huge youth conference. There were six, 7,000 kids there. And I had a lanyard that I was the, the assistant to the youth pastor. And on the back of it was a red dot. And that red dot got me anywhere in the building. And I remember I would walk down through the crowd and I would hold this out like this, the red dot. And people would literally part like the Red Sea. <laughs> I remember coming up to the door and they wouldn't let me in. You know, like at a concert, sorry, sir, stand back. And I said, I have a red dot. And they let me in and I went and stood in the, in the sanctuary and I walked around with no one in there and thought, I'm the man on top of the world. All that authority from a little badge, a little lanyard, a little name tag. Today what I want to talk to you about is a little bit about this idea of authority. We see here in in our scripture today that we, we come to our text and these men are in their, their upper room, they're, they're gathered together. And the scripture very clearly says in verse 19, that Sunday evening, this is the, the evening that Jesus rose from the dead. That that Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. These are the men who watched Jesus walk on water. These were the men who watched 
Lazarus raised from the dead. These are the men who saw Jesus do incredible miracles and Jesus told them, I'm going to be crucified and I'm going to rise on the third day. And now literally they locked the doors, they put a wooden thing down, they put a chair in to secure it and they went and their husbands and wives and children and they hid in the upper room for fear that the Jewish leaders would come do to them what they had done to Jesus. I mean, these are really Jesus' only options here. Eleven men and women standing up in this place, God's chosen disciples, and they're standing there in complete fear. And they're full of doubt, and they're full of shame. And this is the start, these are the guys who are going to start the church that we know today. These are the guys that are going to see thousands of people saved. These are the guys that are going to travel all over the world and plant churches. These are the guys and these are the women who are literally standing in a room full of fear, full of doubt, full of shame, and they're afraid that something is going to happen to them. And the scripture says, oh, so beautifully, look at this. And suddenly Jesus was standing there among them and he said, peace be with you. Now remember, the doors are locked. It's kind of cool, magic show. Houdini, take this. He walked right through the wall and he appeared immediately. What is, the, what is the, the atmosphere that Jesus walked into? What was the environment? He walked into an environment of fear. He walked into an environment of doubt. He walked into an environment of confusion. And it, doesn't, it says he came in and he stood there. Really interesting, that word stood actually means to authorize. It actually means to make firm, to cause a person to keep their place, to be kept intact, to uphold the authority of. Jesus walks into a room where people are full of fear and full of doubt and he invades their life and he stands with authority and he says, peace be with you. And he begins to show them his hands and his feet and says, I have the authority over death. He came into a room and he came into an environment of fear and doubt and shame and condemnation. And he walked into that place and he invaded their life. And he wanted them to know that I have the authority over all things. He says this in Matthew 28. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. I shared this a couple of weeks ago, but the idea of peace, he came in and said, peace, the Hebrew sister word is the word shalom. And the word shalom is an interesting word. We'll look at it here together. The first letter says to consume or destroy. The second letter means authority or shepherd staff. So if you put those together, it could mean to destroy authority. The third letter is to connect or attach together. And the last letter is chaos or water. That word actually speaks to a tsunami. So if you put all these words together and you attach them all as one, it could say this, that shalom is destroying the authority that is connected to your chaos. So when fear comes up in your life and doubt comes up in your life and confusion comes up in your life, what we do is we give it authority. And Jesus walked in the room where there was fear and doubt and said, I am taking back the authority that you have given to fear and confusion and doubt in your life. I am taking it back because I conquered death. He stands as an authority in your life. He invades the areas of your life when you don't know what to do or where to turn. When fear overwhelms you, you don't know what's going to happen in your life. You don't know if God's going to heal you like you've been praying. You don't know if God's going to restore your marriage. And what Jesus does so perfectly and beautifully, suddenly he invades your life and he reminds you that Jesus has all the authority in heaven and on earth. He conquered death. He conquered fear. He conquered sickness. He conquered doubt. He conquered it all. He has 
has all the authority and he wants to give that authority to you. He has all the authority in heaven and on earth. And that's what it says in 20, John 20, 20. He said, so look at the nails. I mean, this is evidence. Look at the holes in my, in my hands. Look at the holes in my feet. This is John writing this. John was there. So this is like if you were to see someone murdered and came back to life. If you came to me today and said, Ryan, I saw it with my own eyes. He wrote this and said, hands and feet, look at them. I have conquered death. I've conquered death. I have all the authority on heaven and earth. And here we see he wants them to grasp it. He wants them to understand it. He wants them to get it. That we serve a God that conquered death. We serve a God that has all the authority. And then he shifts gears. Then he gets into kind of our, our, our next thought here. Our actually fourth key of six. Which we shared three already. And it's found in this scripture in John 20, 22. And then it says, Then he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. So for a moment, imagine that God comes to these people and says, okay guys, I have all the authority. I have authority over death and fear and doubt and shame and confusion. And then he says to them, I want to now give this authority to you. I want to hand this authority to you. He says, he breathed on them and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. Here is the, the authority from God for you. He hands it to them. This word is a really crazy word, this word breathe. Do you know that this is the exact same word that was used in, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7? In Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, it says that, that the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. The same word used to describe when God breathed life into Adam was the same word used here in this scripture when God breathed life into his disciples. There's something changes in your life when the Holy Spirit is breathed into your heart and mind. Something transforms you. It's a new life. It's a new day. It's a new hour. It's a new moment. When the Holy Spirit comes into your life, there is newness of life that comes into your mortal life, mortal being, into your existence in this world. Paul talked about it. He talked about it in Romans chapter 8, verse 11. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who he dwells. Now he's referring to the resurrection of Jesus Christ when he comes back for us and will be resurrected again. But he's also referring to the idea that when you receive the Holy Spirit, when you receive this authority, something changes in your life. Something transforms in your heart. Something changes in your perspective. The, the fourth key, which I didn't say, is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to spend a majority of our time today talking about this because I had a revelation when I was studying this myself that something that I felt that was important to share with you. That you have to understand something that God, the creator of the universe, wants to give you the same authority that he has. He actually wants to give you the same capacity, the same power, the same potential that he has. And the reason I want to share this today is because I believe there's so many followers of Jesus, there's so many Christians who are in the church that don't realize the authority or the position. They don't realize what they actually have in God. And so we go through this life as Christians, lackadaisical or lazy or fearful or full of doubt or full of anxiety or full of shame or we don't have faith or we don't believe and we feel like a victim or we feel like we're being oppressed when you've been given the very authority of the omnipotent God. And today I want to 
Speak life into your spirit, your mind, and your heart to remind you that if you've received the Holy Spirit, you have the authority of God himself. He says, I want to give to you what's been given to me. He says, I want to breathe into you, receive the Holy Spirit. And he gives them this authority. I have an Old Testament example back in Genesis chapter 41. In the story, we're actually going to do a series through the summer, a nine-week series on the life of Joseph. Nine weeks, ten weeks actually on the life of Joseph. So it's going to be fun over the summer. But this story where we're here now, what we're going to jump to in a minute, is back in Genesis chapter 41, Joseph uh, was accused of uh, raping his, uh, his employer's wife. <laughs> and so they threw him in jail. And he's in jail. And they actually forgot about him in jail. They didn't even know he was there. And uh, later on in the story, Pharaoh the king had a dream. And he wanted the dream to be interpreted. And so he asked all of his sorcerers and all of his, his dreamers to come and interpret the dream. And none of them could interpret the dream. They didn't know what to do. And so the, they remembered, oh yeah, I remember there's a man who's in jail for potentially raping uh, one of your employees' wives. I don't think it's true. It's a rumor. I don't know. But he's in jail. And I think he has this, this thing called the Spirit of God in him. And I think he can interpret your dream. So they called Joseph. Joseph comes into the king's court. He's standing before the king. The king tells him the dream. I had uh, this dream. And he says, okay. Okay, the dream means this. The first seven years, you're going to have provision. The second seven years, is going to be famine. Stock up for the first seven years. And then for, the, for the, the seven years of famine, you'll be okay. And he goes, you need to find a man and appoint him to oversee all of this who has the spirit of God in him. And that's our scripture today. Look what it says in Genesis chapter 41. It says this. This proposal pleased Pharaoh and all of his servants. And Pharaoh said to his servants, now remember, this is in Genesis. Can we find a man like this in whom is the Spirit of God. Look what he says. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has shown you all this, there is none so discerning and wise as you are. You shall be over my house, and all my people shall order themselves as you command, only as regards the throne will be greater than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. And then Pharaoh took his signet ring from his hand, and put it on Joseph's hand, and clothed him in garments of linen, and put a gold chain about his neck. He took off his signet ring. This signet ring would mean that wherever the king went, this was the absolute authority of the king. That whenever the king made a decree, whenever the king wanted something to be done, whenever the king had a desire for something, or wanted to change a law, or wanted to make any change or any difference in the kingdom that he was ruling, he would take his signet ring, he would write it on a piece of paper, and he would stamp the wax on that with his signet ring, meaning that this is coming from the authority of the king. And Pharaoh took off that signet ring, and he gave it to Joseph, and he said, Joseph, I am giving you all authority over my entire kingdom. The only thing that you don't have a say over is my throne, is my rule, is my reign. But I give you today the very key to the kingdom. Do you know that in Ephesians, it actually says that God did that to us? Ephesians chapter one, look at this. In him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, were sealed. That word sealed actually means signet ring. 
So listen, if you believe in him, you've heard the gospel truth, you believe in Jesus, you've accepted him, you believe in your heart, it says that you were sealed. You were given the signet ring that is the promise of the Holy Spirit. So when you are handed this lanyard of authority, you're given the signet ring of God. When you are given the Holy Spirit, it is the authority of God. This is the Holy Spirit. The signet ring is the authority of God. So when you receive the Spirit of God in your life, you now have the rulership over the divine dominion that you rule in right now you have dominion over sin over death over doubt over fear over physical uh, sickness you have authority and dominion by the power of God in your life the reason I wanted to share this with you today is because I believe many of us have never put on this lanyard Many of us have never recognized that the power of the Holy Spirit or the life of the living God, the omnipotent God lives in you. Yet we go around ravaged by fear and doubt and shame and condemnation. And the Lord wants to say to you today, come on, I have given you my signet ring, my authority to take dominion over these things in your lives and the lives of those around you. I have given you the authority of the omnipotent God. He's given you the signet ring, his authority. Look what it says in Revelations 19.6. Hallelujah for the Lord our God, omnipotent reigns. That word omnipotent actually means omni, means all or everything. And potent means power, strength, capable, potential. So you have all strength, all power, all capacity. The omnipotent God. You've been given the authority of the omnipotent God. You've been given the same God who raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives in you. Now look at this. As we jump over to the next book in the Bible, we see in the book of Acts. It says in Acts 1, 4, and 5, And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me. For John's baptized you with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. I found this very intriguing. That these men walked and talked with Jesus. That Peter made a confession that Jesus was God. Therefore, based on the scripture, we believe that when you confess that Jesus Christ is God, you are saved. Peter's a Christian. These guys are followers of Jesus. And they never experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now I have a question. Is it possible to be a Christian and a follower of Jesus and have not been baptized in the Holy Spirit? If we look at the scriptures, we'll see very clearly if we jump over to Acts chapter 18. Let me just let the scripture give you the answer. Acts chapter 18, verses 24 to 26. Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, look at this, a native Alexandria came to Ephesus. He was a learned man, With a thorough knowledge of the scriptures, he had been instructed in the way of the Lord and he spoke with great fervor and taught about Jesus accurately, though he knew only the baptism of John. So he had only been water baptized and he only knew of the baptism of John. And then he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. And when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they invited him to their home and explained to him the way of God more adequately. 
So that would lead me to believe that Apollos is a man who understands the scriptures. Apollos is a man who understands God. Apollos is a man who obviously, he was an incredible, incredible speaker. He was the one who articulated, intellectualized Christianity to think things through in such a way, oh my gosh, I've never seen it. He was a brilliant communicator of God's word. And when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they said, man, this guy's got something. But they said, listen, there's something else you haven't experienced yet. We see it again, actually, in Acts chapter 19. While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. And there he found some disciples. These people were followers of Jesus. And he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they answered, no, we we don't even heard that there's a Holy Spirit. Paul asked them, what baptism did you receive? And John's baptism, they replied. And Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him. That is in Jesus. And on hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke in tongues and they prophesied. So based on my study, based on my personal interpretation of this scripture and through my study of scripture, I would come to believe that when you become a follower of Jesus Christ, the Holy, you are marked with the seal of the Holy Spirit. You are given the authority of God. But I, I would beg, to, I would wonder, is there more that the Lord has for our journey when it comes to the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Is there something more? And we see in Scripture that Jesus, uh, all throughout Acts, we see. Acts chapter 10, Peter went into a group of people who believed in God at Cornelius' house. He was a devout Jew who had a relationship with God. And he walked in the room and Peter says, I'm not even supposed to be hanging out with Gentiles because I'm a Jew. I'm not supposed to be. He was super bigoted and, and racist. And he went in the room and goes, you know I'm not supposed to be in this room with you gross people, right? And the Holy Spirit, as he's preaching his dull message, the Holy Spirit comes down so strongly in them. Peter didn't even finish his dull message. The Holy Spirit came down, and it says in the Scripture that they all spoke in tongues and were filled with the Holy Spirit. There is something unique that is articulated all throughout Scripture. And the reason I wanted to share it with you today, because I would come to believe that there are followers of Jesus Christ that have a great relationship with God and know God well and are studying the scriptures. But from my study, there is something more that God has for you. And I believe it is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, if we look at the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we'll recognize that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not all about speaking in tongues. The baptism of the Holy Spirit, there are actually 28 charismatic gifts that were given to the church. And these 28 gifts are received not only through a revelation of God, not only through your personal inventory and discovering who God has called you to be, but also through the laying on of hands. And so when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, I would believe that every single one of us in this room should desire the gifts of the Spirit, one of them being the baptism of the Holy Spirit by evidence of speaking in tongues. I believe you say, Ryan, that's not for today. Well, then you have to say none of the gifts are for today because if you don't believe in the speaking in tongues, you don't believe in the gift of leadership. You don't believe in the gift of hospitality. There is something more than just the initial salvation of Christ. Now, hear me. I'm not saying that's not good enough. But I am saying there is something more for our lives that is taught in Scripture, and it comes through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We'll see here very clearly. And I want to articulate a thought to help bring some clarity to this. Acts chapter 2, verse 1, it says this. And on that day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Think about this for a minute. These guys are followers of Jesus Christ. They walked and talked with God himself. 
And God says to them, you need to wait and you need to press in. You need to wait and you need to pray. You need to wait and you need to press into me. Wait and pray. Wait and pray. Wait and pray. And they waited and they waited and they gathered together and they waited and they waited. I'm telling you today, the, the, the word that God put on my heart for you today is that God wants to restore a desire and a passion for followers of Jesus to pursue God's presence more. That this scripture we see very clearly that these disciples, they waited and they prayed. They waited and they prayed. They waited and they prayed. And they were believing that there was a promise from God for them that is the coming of the Holy Spirit. They waited and there was a fervency and there was a desire that Jesus said there's more. Jesus said there's more. Jesus said there's more. There's more. There's more. There's more. There's more. There's more for you. Just wait. Just press in. Just press in. Just pray more. There is more for you. And many of us in our Christian world have experienced what they experienced in John chapter 20. And Jesus says, okay, wait, there's more. And we say, gosh, I really don't want to. I'm not really sure that's accurate or I'm not really sure there has to be more. Isn't it just this simple thing? No, there's more for you. There's more for God for you. There's more potential for you. There's more power for you. There is more for your life than what you have right now. There's more. There's more. There's more for you. The reason I'm so passionate about it and fired up is because I care about you so much. I want you to experience more. I want to see you experience you breaking out of spiritual doldrums in your life. Apathy or, or, or feeling of though I can't break through or that I'm just an autopilot in my walk with God. Uh, my pastor's heart is to say, God, help them to see there's more. There's more for you than what you have right now. And it says very clearly in the scripture in Acts chapter 2, suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm and it filled the house where they were sitting. And then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages. I will say those were not unintelligible languages. Those weren't uh, the speaking in tongues that we saw in Acts chapter 19, these aren't the speaking in tongues that we didn't understand. These were actually intelligible languages. These were like, for our modern day, French, Spanish. These were different languages of the world. These were not unintelligible languages. And it said, as the Lord gave them utterance, Something shifted that day. Something changed that day. When, they, when the Lord came to them and said, receive the, my, the Holy Spirit, he gave them authority now and says, now the same power that's in me, I'm going to give it to you. And then he says, but you need to wait because there's something more going to come. And they waited. And when the Holy Spirit came down upon them, something significant happened, which is our fifth key today. Very, something absolutely significant happened in their lives. And God moved in a mighty way through, uh, through pouring himself out upon Upon them, And the, the, the last thing that we see in Scripture, very clearly, the fifth one, we're not going to get to the sixth one today because we don't have enough time. But the fifth one here, we jump back to our Scripture in John chapter 20. And look what it says. John 20, 21. And again, he said, peace be with you. 
As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. So then it says, and then he breathed on them, received the Holy Spirit. Now look at this. He says, okay, guys, this is your fifth key to unlocking the spiritual realm in your natural world. He says, listen, okay, he invades their room. These guys are full of fear. They're full of doubt. They're full of shame. They're nervous. They're afraid. They don't want to move any forward. They, they, they know Jesus. They've experienced Jesus. They've seen more than you've seen in your entire lifetime. And still they were struggling with doubt and fear. And here they are in the room. Jesus invades their room. He speaks peace to them. And then he says this statement. He says, I am sending you as I was sent. So here's these men who are called by God to do something incredible. And Jesus says, you need to understand something. You are now going to be given the authority of God to go out and have dominion and authority over, over all things. I'm giving that to you. But you need to understand that you have a mission. That I'm sending you as I was sent. The fifth thing that we can realize about having the supernatural realm is very simply accept your mission, your purpose on this planet to boldly share about Jesus. He says, I'm sending you as I was sent. How was Jesus sent? Most famous scripture in the Bible, the one that Bill Clinton said wrong. He said, my favorite scripture is John 16, 3, and I think it talks about like, Hell and damnation or something. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. So if we look about being sent, we can look at this scripture, very simple scripture that you've all memorized, but we often don't take the time to consider the implications of what this verse is saying. How was Jesus sent? Okay, he was sent by the Father and he was sent to earth. So Jesus was God and he came to earth as a missionary. He came to earth on mission. He rejected the idea that he was something when he was God. He laid that aside to humble himself and serve other people. And he served other people by dying a brutal death on a cross. And why did Jesus die a brutal death? on the cross. There's a word in there that the new Hillsong album came out and they wrote a song called God's Love of the World and there's a phrase in there that none might perish and that hit me so hard to think that you have to understand that according to what the scripture says, Jesus was sent by God into the world to reject the idea that he's something uh, when he actually is something to humble himself, to lay his life down for people that are sick, for people that are in need, for people that need God, for people that need help, for people that need provision. He laid his own selfish agenda down. Now, he wasn't selfish, but for us, lay our selfish agenda down so that those in this world might not perish. Do you know what that word perish means? That word perish means ruined, means death. Jesus is saying that his mission is to reach people because if they do not believe in Jesus Christ, they will perish. Let that sink in for a minute. The, the key to experiencing a supernatural world is recognizing that your purpose on this planet is not to build a business. Your purpose on this planet is not to make money. Your purpose on this planet is not to be the best at what you do. Your purpose on this planet is not to be the best looking or the best acting or be anything other than one sole purpose. When you became a follower of Jesus Christ, you signed up for the mission of God to say, I'm gonna lay my life down and give my life like Christ gave his life for these people so that none might This is another reason why I believe many followers of Jesus today are lackadaisical and have a spiritual doldrum is because they haven't fully accepted the fact that your life is about nothing else other than one task. 
helping others believe in the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ that none might perish. And I find this very interesting because if we look at these men who were very, very ashamed and fearful in Acts chapter 1, and we'll just end on the last few scriptures here. When they come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know times or seasons that the Father is fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. So he uses two words, okay? So when the Holy Spirit comes, you're gonna receive power. That word power is the root word for the word omnipotent. It's the same word used to describe the omnipotent God. He says, you're gonna have the omnipotency of God. You're gonna actually have the capacity and the authorization. That word also is dunamis. It actually means miraculously working power. But the word witness actually, the actual definition of the word witness is the Greek word is martis. What does that look like? The actual definition of the word witness is those who prove their strength and genuineness of faith in Christ by undergoing a violent death. A martyr. This is the word Jesus chose to use. And he said, listen, I know you're afraid. I know that you you're, have condemnation for your sin. I know that you feel like you don't have a purpose in this life. I know that you're just trying to make it. I know that there's physical sickness. I know that the marriage is uh, uh, having trouble. I know that you're in financial disarray. I understand that all these things are happening, but I need you to know that I've given you the authority in your life to stand strong and to stand bold and to know that your goal on this planet is to serve God in this way by share, accept the mission of God by sharing boldly the message of Jesus Christ to everyone you encounter. This is to show you what happens when the Holy Spirit, when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, something changes so drastically in your life that you go from being afraid and doubtful and scared and and lazy and lackadaisical, locked up in a room, scared of what's going to happen to you, to just a few months later, you are standing up up among uh, brothers and sisters in Christ and you don't even realize it, but you're actually declaring the the, the wonders and the, the purposes of God in someone else's language. Look what it says in the scripture in verse, uh, verse six. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished saying, are not all those who are speaking Galileans, Parthenians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phygra, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya, belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. These were the men who were so afraid of the Jews that they were locking their door. This is what the Holy Spirit does in your life, that when you experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit, something comes inside of you, and you have such boldness to believe. I have authority over demonic oppression. I have authority over death. I have authority over sickness. I have authority over fear. I have authority over doubt. Nothing's going to hold me back any longer. I'm going to unlock that door. I'm going to take the barrier off. I'm going to remove the, door, the, the, the chair from the door. I'm going to open up the door of my life and realize that I will not allow fear and I will not allow doubt and I will not allow anxiety and I will not allow worry and I will not allow selfishness and I will not allow a consumeristic culture tell me how to live my life any longer. I'm going to stand up and accept the mission that God has called me for this planet. By the power of the Holy Spirit, you've been given the authority. You've been given the authority of the omnipotent God. The scripture is about showing you that these men stood. And that's what the last verse we'll read today. This is just ironic to me. 
Peter, standing with the eleven. Isn't it funny that just a few chapters later, prior, they were hurtled in a group of people, afraid, and Jesus stood and said, I have the authority, and just a few chapters later, now they're standing. (laughs) They have the authority. They have this fresh desire and passion to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. The reason I'm so passionate about this today is because I believe that this is your sole purpose on this planet. This is the reason you exist as a Christian. And the only way that you and I can accurately share our faith and accurately be bold for the things of God and accurately go out into this world and share the message of Jesus Christ, and I believe it's only if you've been baptized by the Holy Spirit. You've experienced that baptism. Does it come by evidence of speaking in tongues? In my theology, I would believe, yeah, there is a speaking in tongues encounter. But also I believe the Holy Spirit wants to give you every gift, not just that gift. He wants to give you every gift in the charismatic gifts. He wants to bless you and equip you and fill you and change you so that you can live the life God intended for you to live. Not to live sad and depressed and confused and afraid of all sorts of things in your life, but you could feel free. For who the Son is set free is what? Free indeed. That is what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. So I want you to get it. I want you to experience it. I want you to see it. That there's something more for your life than what you have right now. There's more. Would you stand with me this morning? Would you just close your eyes? I want to pray. Dalen's going to lead us this morning. Holy Spirit, right now, come on, would you just do me a favor? Would you just close your eyes for a moment? I want you to place your hand on your heart. Holy Spirit, I ask right now that you'd come. And Lord, I'm not expecting anything other than your will and your way. I don't have expectation, Father, other than for your your word to penetrate our hearts and that we would respond. During our time of worship today, Lord, I pray that we would put aside all distractions and we would respond in worship by ministering unto you, O God. And then in return, Holy Holy Spirit, would you come? And would you begin to speak and to minister? We just, Lord, Lord, we break off all chains of fear, all burdens of anxiety and doubt, shame, condemnation. Today we come, Father, I pray by your power, you would eradicate those things in our midst. And as we worship you, Father, for the last part of our service today, I pray that you would be glorified and that you would minister to the lives of people. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus.